Think about this. Our brains change. Memory is an amazing. What you think is in our there brains is aren't really finished. They're not fully cooked yet. You go with your heart. You we don't have any idea why because we're, we're doing so smart. Most of the things that we're doing. But here's the deal. I think we should do two shows on negotiation. No, I don't. I don't really want to do a show about negotiation. I don't uh, think one show on negotiation. Okay, uh, one show. All right. I'm Art Markman. I'm Bob Duke. I'm Rebecca McEnroe. And this is two guys on your head. <laughs> Today, the psychology of negotiation. A lot of discussions about negotiation are fundamentally about how do I maximize what I get out of this? How do I get as close as possible to the thing that I want? Some of the techniques about negotiating that are most effective require what in most social situations would be considered rude. You know, I mean, there's some interesting research done by the ever-present Danny Kahneman, and the idea is about if, if you're in a negotiation and you don't see the way, way it's going, you need to storm out of the room. Now, most of us who are very socially stable don't- And over the age of 15. <laughs> right, <laughs> don't storm out of rooms very much. But as a negotiating tactic, again, if you can divorce this from your actual emotional state, and you say, I'm gonna storm out of here. Well, now, why, why is that an effective strategy? Because it's upsetting to most people. And when we're in a state of disequilibrium emotionally, we're much more susceptible to having our opinions change and, and what we say we want change than we are if we're cool, calm, and collected and we feel like I got this under control. So many times the strategies that are used as a negotiating tactic are, are meant to emotionally destabilize your negotiating partner because most people who think of themselves as kind and generous and helpful, find the idea of making demands of other people, especially when the other people who you're making demands of are not acquiescing very easily, is socially uncomfortable, right? I mean, the reason people who don't change jobs a lot are disadvantaged when they negotiate a salary is the same reason for people are disadvantaged when they go to negotiate buying a car with a car dealer, because that person practices this behavior every day right? Yeah. You practice it almost never. So what do you bring to the table? You bring all of the social conventions that operate when you're sitting at dinner with person with the people. Of course, you're going to share your stuff. And of course, you want them to feel good about things. And people who are effective negotiators, who are dealing with people who are not, capitalize on the fact that I can make you feel uncomfortable by pushing too hard. Yeah. And the fact that you don't like feeling uncomfortable in social situations might cause you to accept less from this negotiation than you might otherwise, because I do this all the time and I, my emotions are not in it the way your emotions are in it. But, but also, you know, there's a tendency for us to then view the negotiation as about only the things that are being negotiated in that moment. And exactly. so the other yeah. piece is, you know, you can storm out of the room and, and that's great if you're buying a car. But another yeah. possibility is to go back to the nature of the long-term relationship you're trying to create and to say, look, I would like to make this my home for my career. Is it really worth $4,000 to make me feel uneasy about taking this job from the very beginning? Yeah. Right? 
And, and, and at some point, somebody steps back and goes, okay, maybe not. Maybe yeah. actually in the grand scheme of things, that amount of money is trivial in comparison to what it might cost to have to replace you three years from now because you weren't ever really happy here to begin with. Yeah. The reason that we can think about winning a negotiation is because we place this inherently competitive frame on top of it. So we assume that the proper way to think about a negotiation is as a competition. And what we know about competitions is somebody wins and somebody loses. I mean, you know, if you tie, right, that's that's such a uh, an unpleasant outcome in sports, for example. And I think this is kind of an interesting thing to inject into this. The idea of the cooperation aspect of negotiation. Right. 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 I mean, just the fact that we've agreed to sit at the same table and talk about the same issues, that that's an act of cooperation to begin with, even before we start the negotiation proper. Yeah. Right. And in fact, an alternative way of conceptualizing negotiation is rather than thinking of it as fundamentally competitive, thinking of it as a joint problem-solving exercise. Yeah. So here's the deal. You have something you want. I have something I want. They aren't the same. And we have to accommodate each other in some way. Can we work on some kind of problem-solving exercise that will say, how can I, how can I get what I want? and you get what you want, or at least as close as possible in this situation, can we make that happen? Recognizing two facets of this. First, we're gonna to try to work together on this. And second, if we're truly building a relationship, that it may be the case that you get a little bit more of what you want today with the recognition that maybe I'll get a little bit more of what yeah. I want sometime yeah. in the future. Yeah. The very deep-seated parts of our nature say to us, win. Yeah. Get as much as you can. And the things that are more challenging for us to think about, that is, what are the long-term consequences of whatever the outcome of this negotiation is, uh, to not think about that is to miss opportunities to build things that are much more positive. What we underestimate is is the value of the relationship itself between you and the person you're negotiating with because in most situations in the real world this isn't a one-off thing it's not like i'm going to negotiate with you and then i'm never going to have to deal with you again right i i may have to deal with you a lot i mean if you think about uh, negotiations between employers and, and and prospective employees if you successfully hire this person chances are you're in an environment in which you're going to encounter these people again do you want every interaction that you have to be influenced by the bitter taste of you trying to eke out every last bit that you can get at their expense and of course what art's talking about really is what one defines as success. And I think it's interesting when you start to redefine what it means to be successful in negotiating in some way other than what Art just mentioned, which is I got the biggest pot part of the pie. Because I think oftentimes when we imagine what we really want in the abstract as a relationship with a person or in working with a business that we're going to be working with over a long period of time or whatever it happens to be. What do we want that relationship to be? And in relationship building, wanting to win all the time is not necessarily <laughs> advantageous to building a successful, productive, long-term relationship. Next week, we'll explore negotiation and power with Dr. Art Markman and Dr. Bob Duke. David Alvarez is our engineer, and I'm Rebecca McEnroy. I produce Two Guys on Your Head at KUT Radio in Austin, Texas.